Okay, so welcome back. Uh, I have BB King here. BB uh, King interview on his 80th birthday. Imagine that BB King was interviewed on his 80th birthday, and I'm gonna play some of it for you. Okay, and all you have to do is just lay back, relax, and listen like me. I got my fan heater fan on. Trying to keep warm. It's cold outside. <laughs> so I hope you're keeping warm. And today is December the 11th on a Friday. It's finally Friday. Okay, I'm going to play some of it. So give me a minute. Yes, I'm going to play some of this. So you got to be big shit to get a hope to B.B. King's interview. Excuse my French. <laughs> the seal has come in many shapes and sizes. Let's join it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear B.B. Happy birthday to you. He looks good to be 80 years old. Thank you. 
thank you so much. I hope that you can come and visit with us. I hope that you will spend a little time with us, and I believe it will be an enjoyable time. Thank you for coming today. If you've got questions, I'm sure Tim will uh, direct those, and I'll be glad to try to answer them. Thank you. See, see, that's the kind of stuff you'll get on my podcast. <laughs> Nothing but the R-E-A-L, real. So, go ahead and join. Okay, press that star. That way you can keep up with me. I mostly uh, just uh, put some on him, you know, when I feel like it. But uh, I just started, so I'll be on him quite regular. All right, have a good night. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, how you doing tonight? This is a cold night. Freezing cold. And I hope you have some hot chocolate or a cup of coffee or a cappuccino, something like that. Or whatever you like to drink. And I hope you are listening to me every night. So I have something here for you, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first on Mr. Clean. Me and Mr. Clean is really keeping it spotless. Yes, how about that? (laughs) I like that. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you have now joined Mr. Clean. Me and Mr. Clean, we are keeping it spotless. So right now, what I'm going to do is let you hear, invite you, yes you to hear the interview with lisa 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 let's listen to the coat jam the lisa lisa that was in the coat jam well she's not in the coat jam anymore she went solo but anyway let's see let's listen to this interview superstar you can become known by just one name 
but there is one Latina hip-hop and R&B legend. She's so fierce, so fabulous. We have to say her name twice, twice. Lisa Lisa burst onto the scene in the mid-'80s, made her mark in music with her cult jam bandmates. Her first single, I Wonder If I Take You Home, became an R&B smash and landed in the top ten on the R&B charts. Well, that became familiar territory for the group because each time they released a song, they all turned into hits, and they still have music lovers moving and grooving today. I'm honored, and I'm pleased, and I'm very happy to welcome the legendary Lisa Lisa to JVTV. Hello! Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? I'm okay, I'm okay. Really? I'm good. How, are you, yeah. how, how are you dealing with COVID-19? What, what's going on? Has it turned your world upside down like everybody else? Oh, of course. But, you know, you deal with it. You know, whatever's handed to you, you hand it right back to God. And uh, try to deal with it as best you can. Right now, my, my priority is making sure that my children are safe and healthy and, and okay. I hear this all the time, and I'm sure you've heard it once or twice, too. I hear people say, before there was J-Lo, there was Lisa Lisa. Do you feel Do you feel like a trailblazer? Do you feel like you've been one of those people who have been able to walk through a door and leave it open for someone else? Listen, I'm honored that um, I'm considered such. Um, I'm just here, and I'm loving what I do and doing it as best I can. And if I have done anything to help anybody in this business or outside of this business, then I, I, I am humble and I thank you all for giving me that, that title. But, you know, I really don't, I try not to focus on it because um, I just really, truly love what I do. And that's all I can say. You keep your head down and you just do the work and whatever opportunity, whatever blessing, whatever comes, comes. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's all a blessing to me because, you know, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. I know there's so much talent out there that would love to be in my, in my you know, in my shoes. Um, I thank God every day for it, but um, I try not to focus on any of that. I try to focus on what I'm doing and how much I love it and the energy that I get from my audience. That's all that matters. The first single that you released, Take You Home, uh was actually released twice, first overseas, then uh, the DJ started picking it up and playing it here in the States. Yeah. And it exploded. Were, were you prepared at all for the kind of success that record was, the kind of success that was going to come with that record? See my face? <laughs> no, I wasn't prepared. I didn't know what was going to go on, but all I ever wanted to do was to be on a stage and sing. So when that started to happen, it was pretty funny for me, you know. Um, I was still working at Benetton, folding sweaters and doing register. <laughs> and I remember the guys had to come, Full Force had to come and take me out of the store because I was nervous. I was like, well, I have to pay bills. I got to take care of my family, you know. That's all I focused on. I didn't know. Just as long as I was able to sing to an audience, everything else to me was just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. <laughs> oh my god. Like, oh, where were you? You know, 
everything that I've been through in this business, being just emotionally, um, business-wise, whatever it is that I've been through, I wouldn't change a thing because that has made me who I am. So to me, it still is overwhelming and a dream. Well, being so young and, and, and getting a shot at making music, when you first got your foot in the door, did you have, what kind of, I'm sure you had to have some trepidations about what you were getting yourself into, or maybe you were just carefree about it, <laughs> whatever comes. I mean, I was carefree about it because I didn't know anything about the business. All I knew was that I wanted to sing, and I was a fan, I mean, one of the biggest fans of music and all kinds of music. So for me to get my foot in, I didn't know what I was getting into, so it was just open season for me. Uh, once I got in, I started to learn. So I, you could say I, I basically grew up in the eyes of the public, you know, out there. I was 13 when I started, and I'm not even going to tell you what my age is today. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, watching you uh, on television and in videos, you always came across to me as someone who was um, authentic and real. Was the persona of Lisa Lisa... Was that who you really were, or was some of it record industry creation? Well, me, I remember it was a big fight when I had to wear that outfit for, um, I wonder if I take it home, the very first video. Because <laughs> I'm a decent t-shirt kind of girl, but they want to be in pink, and they put me in that outfit, and I was like, okay, and it took off from there. You know, everything was about, oh, it's got to be pink, or it's got to be big, you know, and, and it's got to be, you know, glitz. Well, you were um, you, you you were also a trendsetter, though. I mean, the the, the 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 hair, the long long on top, short on the side, long in the back. Let's talk about that haircut. Let's talk about let's it. Talk about that hair. Okay, yeah. So, I come from a family of ten brothers and sisters, right? The youngest, one one mom. That's it. She raised all of us alone. Wow. And, um, yeah, and um, we had to do everything on our own. So there was no money. <laughs> I used to cut my own hair. No. So that was an accident. I cut one side too short, so I kept cutting, and I had a bald spot. Mm. So I had to let the hair grow. <laughs> I had to let it grow, and I thought it kind of looked cute, so I just would shave one side, and the other side would stay. So that was actually created from a mistake. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> An incredible creation on accident. That is it. 
Because really? I'm able, yeah, I'm able to say I love my show is live, fully live. But be it uh, um, track to live, meaning I do everything track, you know, and the vocals are always live. But when I do my band shows, <laughs> I like to take it as far as I can. So that goes. That song just goes. Well, that's your favorite song to perform. What song are you ready to get over with when you're when you're when you're on stage? Is there a song that no. you dread singing? No, not at all. <laughs> you know, not at all. I think, listen, if it's for me to be on a stage and to sing, I'll sing. Yeah. So my heart, you know, to my heart's content, I just, I love to sing. I know it sounds redundant and, and cliche or whatever you want to call it, but I love doing what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so refreshing to hear because a lot of times you'll hear a, a performer uh complain about you know they get tired of singing the old songs they only want to do new songs but you've got to give the audience what they what they love about you most i try my damnedest to do that because again if it wasn't for my audience i would not still be here so i thank them 100 for that but i think my trick for doing that is that i'm my worst critic so when i'm home i'm home I do not listen to me. <laughs> no, I don't. My kids do sometimes, and I'm like, all right, I don't want to hear that because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up in my head and in my heart. So I keep it away, keep it away when I'm home. When I'm home, it's to be home, and I'm a mom when I'm home. You know, well, when I'm at work, pull out, pull out. Well, well that's special. That that's that's probably uh, very uh, beneficial that you're able to clock out. Yeah, I have to. I yeah. have to. I understand. Well, the music industry and music tastes um, have changed, certainly changed in the last couple of decades. I don't really understand what's going on in music right now. Do you? <laughs> Come on. Do you understand what is going on in this crazy music industry? It's unrecognizable sometimes. Amazing. You know, being from New York and her being 
you not have a problem with maybe some of her lyric content, though? Would you, you, she can, you could, you she could, can speak as she wish. <clears throat> she can speak, and you know what? Freedom of speech. I love what she says. I love how she says it and gets it across. I could sing my lyrics, and they don't have to be as cross. You know what I mean? Right, right, I right. I can be as cross, trust and believe. If I got to throw, you know, a little this and that in there, I will. I will do it, you know, uh-huh. but... I just love her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, before we do a couple more questions, let's go ahead and bring in one of your fans, okay? Okay. Hey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, just going to give you a taste. Not going to not going to let it continue to play until uh I get at least you got to share my podcast. I mean, I I got some good stuff I need to share with you, right? And I'm going to continue to watch it. Or do you want to continue to listen? That's the thing. Should I let them finish listening on the Mr. Clean show where we keep it clean around here? Let's see. I think we should. What's up, Joe? I'm good, man. This is, this is, this is, this is, that is the one and only Lisa Lisa. Hi. Amazing. How are you doing? <laughs>
Is there ever anything they wanted you to do that you said no to? No, actually. Really? Actually, you had that much trust in them? Better? Here's a little story. Well, this is how we had to record the first album because we had one week to put that out. One oh, week wow. to record it, master it, print it. <laughs> we were on the road and they were like, you guys, it's a, it's a hit. Columbia came to us. <laughs> so as we would hit the next city, it would be like 5.30 in the morning. We'd get off the tour bus. I'd go straight to my, my hotel room and try to go to sleep. Uh -uh. My phone would ring and it would be one of the guys from Full Force. Listen to this. And they'd sing something on the phone and I'd be like, uh-oh, we got to record this now. So I would run to their room and we would record vocals and stuff there. You know? So that was on the road. And then we took like a day or two to get off the road and, and come back to New York and master, print, and send it out. Uh, you were working. sometimes professional issues, sometimes personal issues. How have you been able to survive it? Um, I, I think it, it's, it's been my own growing. My mom, rest her soul, was uh, very family-orientated, and she's very religious, you know, and it took forever for her to let me wear skirts and makeup. <laughs> when I got with the group, they were like, ma'am, you have to gotta put makeup on her we're doing this video and she was like i don't know about that <laughs> but she finally did that so i think the fact that whenever again whenever i got home she pounded it in throw out the trash wash dishes do your homework i had to do my thing and that kept me grounded i think i think still to this day the fact that now that i'm a mom i realized that that home growing is very important to anything it is that you Keeps you straight and narrow. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah you, I mean, you, you've got to have a foundation. Last year, you signed a deal with Snoop Dogg. Mm -mm. Does, that, does that mean we've got some new music coming? Oh, amen. Amen. Praise be. Snoop is my man. He's my man. Snoop and, and Bobby D for Bobby D Presents. They are collaborating and, and managing my career now. And, um, yeah, we got new music. There's a lot of collabs going to happen. I'm trying to put it out there with Cardi because I need her on this album, which is being printed out. <laughs> um, but we have a lot of things happening, a lot of gigs that are still on the books. Uh, starting October, we're going to head back out on the tour. And um, I have a boot line coming, so... I heard you love boots. I heard you love boots. I have boots. no idea. Anybody who knows me <laughs> knows that I live in boots. I don't care where I'm at, what I'm doing. Boots all day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I saw an interview um, with Janet Jackson recently, and she spoke about on the Control album, Pass the Power. She would just go back and talk to Jimmy Terry and tell about her experiences, her real-life experiences, and that's how the whole album came together. Was that your experience of full force in the beginning? Did you actually have an input on what was being said and how you were going to say it? And yeah. Was it based on your own personal experiences? Yeah, everything, every song that they've ever written, and myself as well, has been a conversation, has been something about my life. So, yes, I say yes to that question. She's absolutely right. Um, on the road, 
uh, in the studio, just hanging out, creating. Everything was about a question and an answer. My life. <laughs> well, I know for you and for most singers, there's no feeling like the feeling you get when you're on stage in front of an audience. <laughs> what is life like off stage for you? What kind of feeling does the off stage Lisa Lisa get? I, I'm I'm very happy because again I love I think my best accomplishment besides music will be my children. Um, I love being a mom. I love teaching them. I love watching them grow and absorb. Um, life for me right now in this COVID <laughs> is entertaining them and 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 training and um, listening to other music and, and studying it and getting myself stronger and mastering that craft because when we come back we're coming back hard <laughs> it's gonna be hard <laughs> well let's get into um i mean what's what's the love life like these days do, do you have time to all right i'm gonna stop it right there i know you guys want to know about lisa lisa's love life but i also want you to leave me a message and let me know how well i'm doing um I just started uh, Anchor. When was exactly? I think I just this week actually, this past Monday, and today is what the eleventh of December. That's right, two thousand and twenty. And I hope you're enjoying my podcast. We're gonna continue to listen, but uh, make sure you press that star and share my podcast if you like. And let's continue listening. I think Anchor's great. <laughs> today is, is how, how many people slide in your DMs a day, Lisa Lisa? Oh my God, yo mio, yo no puedo. I get people <clears throat> sliding in my DMs all the time, but no. song I play, love.
but he's been lying to you, but only because he wanted to protect your feelings. Would that have you lost an emotion or all cried out? All cried out. I'm not lost in emotion with that. I'm all cried out. I'm done. I told you. <laughs> Don't lie to me. <laughs> but, but he didn't want to hurt your feelings. Let's leave. I, I can't. If, you, if I find something out that I don't like, it's done. <laughs> okay. All right. Scenario number two. Uh-oh. <laughs> you, get a, you, you get a text from your boyfriend saying the relationship is over. Lost in emotion, all cried out. Oh, lots of emotion. Yeah. That's a that's a that's a shitty way to break up with someone, isn't it? See, I'm not the only one cussing. Damn right. Because I'll put them on blast. Lord have mercy. No. I'm gonna screenshot it. I'm gonna screenshot it, and I'm gonna blast it. He's so loud, Jesus. How about that? He is so loud. Today, Let me cut him down. He sends you flowers to your job. I missed him. Cut it out. Shit. Are you lost in emotion okay. or all cried out? All cried out. I mean, it was heated, too. It was heated? It was heated. I think I'm going to say both. Okay. All right. cried out and lost in emotion because I would be in tears for a little bit. But I'm the kind of person that I don't like going to sleep on a bad note. I got to handle it then. He better not fall asleep because he get knocked out. <laughs> you don't talk about making sure that he's handled. Don't send me flowers because that's not going to take care of it. <laughs> I know that's right. Flowers and boots. Send I know that's right. Boots. <laughs> boots or boots? Boots. He just cackling. I'm sorry. My answer is your ass kicked. I ain't having that. I lost emotion because my emotions are going to get the best of me and he's, I'm going to jail. <laughs> I, think, I think Whitney Houston said it best. My name is not Susan. Thank you. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he just nice. cackling. All right. Last, last one. Last one. I threw this one in there. Preston didn't come up with this one. I just came up with this one on the spot. Oh. What if I told you that I think I love you from head to toe? Lost in emotion. Oh, yeah. Right That's right. Lost in emotion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she sang. She just sang all these songs. Ooh, I can't stand that cackling. Thank you. She has, she has. I am so glad we were able to make this happen. And I wish you all the success on the new music. If you ever come to a city near me, I'm going to be front row and center. And uh, uh, keep doing what you're doing because we love you so much. Thank you so much. And yes, you will be front and center. I promise you that. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're welcome. President, you want to say goodbye? 
I want to say thank you again to Neil Peter Felicia and uh, the Cupcake of the End. That, that'll do it, ladies and gentlemen. That will do it. Lisa, Lisa. Still beautiful. Let me see. I would like to play her song, All Cried Out. Or he mentioned a different one as well. Let me see which one is that. Oh, yes. Get prepared, ladies and gentlemen, to listen to the <clears throat> the young Lisa. Lisa. And I mean, she sounds great, too. For the ones who don't, who uh, wasn't uh, listening to her as a teen or as a preteen, this is her right here. And everybody was crazy about this song. Everybody had this song on their Walkman.
Yes, it's Lisa Lisa. Yeah, it's Lisa Lisa. Yes. It's another song that I wanted to share with you as well. Um, let's see what it is. Let me just put a name in. Let's see. We are live right now, ladies and gentlemen. I have to take my time. Oh, this my oh god, yes, this the one. This the one right here. This the one coming next. So you make you make sure if you want to follow her on Instagram. And uh, she says she coming back with Snoop Dogg, and uh, she named somebody else too. Snoop Dogg and uh, Cardi B. <laughs> that 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 would be something. Okay, let's listen to my jam. You know I used to jam this in the bathroom. Boy, that echo was something else. Let's, let's listen to this. It's my jam here. Yeah. Yeah, this my jam. <clears throat> yes, yes.
she is bad. She is bad. Not was bad, but is bad. Yes, 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 yes. Mm. Well, ain't no telling what I'm going to do next, so you know what to do. Join me on another episode of Mr. Clean, where we keep things clean around here. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first on Mr. Clean. Me and Mr. Clean is really keeping it spotless. Yes, how about that? (laughs) I like that. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you have now joined Mr. Clean. Me and Mr. Clean, we are keeping it spotless. So right now, what I'm going to do is let you hear, invite you, yes, you, to hear the interview with Lisa Lisa. Lisa Lisa. Let's listen to the coat jam. The Lisa Lisa that was in the coat jam. Well, she's not in the coat jam anymore. She went solo. But anyway. Let's see. Let's listen to this interview. Superstar, you can become known by just one name. But there is one Latina hip-hop and R&B legend. She's so fierce, so fabulous. We have to say her name twice. Twice. Lisa Lisa burst onto the scene in the mid-80s, made her mark in music with her cult jam bandmates. Her first single, I Wonder If I Take You Home, became an R&B smash and landed in the top 10 on the R&B charts. Well, that became familiar territory for the group because each time they released a song, they all turned into hits and they still have music lovers moving and grooving today. I'm honored and I'm pleased and I'm very happy to welcome the legendary Lisa Lisa to JVTV. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? I'm okay, I'm okay. Really? I'm good. How, are you, yeah. how, how are you dealing with COVID-19? What, what's going on? Has it turned your world upside down like everybody else? Oh, of course. But, you know, you deal with it. You know, whatever's handed to you, you hand it right back to God. And uh, try to deal with it as best you can. Right now, my, my priority is making sure that my children are safe and healthy and, and okay. I hear this all the time, and I'm sure you've heard it once or twice, too. I hear people say, before there was J-Lo, there was Lisa Lisa. Do you feel Do you feel like a trailblazer? Do you feel like you've been one of those people who have been able to walk through a door and leave it open for someone else? Listen, I'm honored that um, I'm considered such. Um, I'm just here, and I'm loving what I do and doing it as best I can. And if I have done anything to help anybody in this business or outside of this business, then I, I, I am humble and I thank you all for giving me that, that title. But, you know, I really don't, I try not to focus on it because um, I just really, truly love what I do. And that's all I can say. You keep your head down and you just do the work and whatever opportunity, whatever blessing, whatever comes, comes. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's all a blessing to me because, you know, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. I know there's so much talent out there that would love to be in my, in my you know, in my shoes. Um, I thank God every day for it, but um, I try not to focus on any of that. I try to focus on what I'm doing and how much I love it and the energy that I get from my audience. That's all that matters. The first single that you released, Take You Home, uh was actually released twice, first overseas, then uh, the DJ started picking it up and playing it here in the States. Yeah. And it exploded. Were, were you prepared?
kind of success that record was the kind of success that was going to come with that record? See my face? <laughs> no, I wasn't prepared. I didn't know what was going to go on, but all I ever wanted to do was to be on a stage and sing. So when that started to happen, it was pretty funny for me. You know, um, I was still working at Benetton, folding sweaters and doing register. <laughs> and I remember the guys had to come, Full Force had to come and take me out of the store because I was nervous. I was like, well, I have to pay bills. I got to take care of my family, you know. That's all I focused on. I didn't know. Just as long as I was able to sing to an audience, everything else to me was just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, easy breezy. Well, people may not realize this. I certainly didn't, that you were really just a kid when you began I was, recording. I was, I, I was 13 when I met Full Force. You know, Did and I got in trouble, too, because I, when I went to that audition, I, I didn't go to school. I snuck out. And by the time I, I finally got to meet the guys and sing for them, it was past midnight. I got mm. home, the cops were there waiting for me. So. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, oh, where were you? You know, but I, I was a kid, and I wanted to do this. And, and I, I, I made sure that I met the right people, and I was at the right place at the right time, and this is what I wanted. And everything that I've been through in this business, be it just emotionally, um, business-wise, whatever it is that I've been through, I wouldn't change a thing because that has made me who I am. So to me, it still is overwhelming and a dream. Well, being so young and, and, and getting a shot at making music, when you first got your foot in the door, did you have, what kind of, I'm sure you had to have some trepidations about what you were getting yourself into, or maybe you were just carefree about it, <laughs> whatever comes. I was carefree about it because I didn't know anything about the business. All I knew was that I wanted to sing, and I was a fan. I mean, one of the biggest fans of music and all kinds of music. So for me to get my foot in, I didn't know what I was getting into. So it was just open season for me. Uh, once I got in, I started to learn. So I, you could say I, I basically grew up in the eyes of the public, you know, out there. I was 13 when I started, and I'm not even going to tell you what my age is today. <laughs> So I had to let the hair grow. I had to let it grow, and I 
can remember my oldest brother Gary. Um, I can remember one of his girlfriends from college had that same hair, and then had to look at the parts on the side. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, he had his very own Lisa Lisa. <laughs> about the song which um is one of my favorites all cried out I, I think i think it's one of the best love songs written and recorded oh my god thank you did, did you did you have any clue when you were recording that that people would feel it the way they do i was a kid first of all so i didn't nothing about that you know nothing about what was going on in the song. <laughs> you know, but I, there you go. It's a conversation, and Full Force was great, you know, lyrically putting that down and creating it in the yes. studio. Um, I had no idea that it would take off the way it did, but truth be told, whenever anybody asks me what's my favorite song to perform live, that is it. Really? Because I'm able, yeah, I'm able to say, I love, my show is live, fully live, but be it, uh, um, track to live meaning i do everything track you know and the vocals are always live but when i do my band shows <laughs> i like to take it as far as i can so that goes that song just goes well that's your favorite song to perform what song are you ready to get over with when you're when you're when you're on stage is there a song that no. you dread singing no not at all <laughs> you know not at all i think listen if it's for me to be on a stage and to sing i'll sing so my heart, you know, to my heart's content, I just, I love to sing. I know it sounds redundant and, and cliche or whatever you want to call it, but I love doing what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so refreshing to hear because a lot of times you'll hear a, a performer uh, complain about, you know, they get tired of singing the old songs. They only want to do new songs, but you've got to give the audience what they, what they love about you most. I try my damnedest to do that because, again, if it wasn't for my audience, I would not still be here. So I thank them 100% for that. But I think my trick for doing that is that I'm my worst critic. So when I'm home, I'm home. I do not listen to me. <laughs> no, I don't. My kids do sometimes, and I'm like, all right, I don't want to hear that because, you know, I don't want to mess it up in my head and in my heart. So I keep it away, keep it away when I'm home. When I'm home, it's to be home, and I'm a mom when I'm home. You know, well, when I'm at work, pull out, pull out. Well, well that's special. That That's that's probably uh, very uh, beneficial that you're able to clock out. Yeah, I have to. I yeah. have to. It keeps it, it keeps it fresh for me. I understand. Well, the music industry and music tastes um, have changed, certainly changed in the last couple of decades. I don't really understand what's going on in music right now. Do you? <laughs> Come on. Do you understand what is going on in this crazy music industry? It's unrecognizable so, sometimes. It, it, yeah, you know, if, when they play the classics, yeah. You know, and when you, you, you notice that a lot of the artists today are doing remakes. Or retakes. They'll take an old track of a new song at it. That's what I love. I miss the sound and the times of originality and, and live music and, and not and, and machines, you know? Yeah, and there, there, there seems to be a lack of melody and harmony and all of oh that my stuff. God, thank you. 
Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. yeah. No melody, no reality. And when it yeah. comes to lyrics, you know, can I not have anything about, you know, forgive me, and this is my own opinion. Okay, take it as you wish. But I'm sick and tired of talking about shaking butts, you know, and this and that and streets. I'm done. Okay, when I hear music, it's to make me happy. So you're not jamming to uh, WAP in your car? Well. <laughs> <laughs> we got her. We got her. Uh, yo, you got me. Yo, I have to say that um, that song, when I first heard it, I was like, you know what the hell, but I got it. I got it. And I love, I love Cardi. I love Cardi. And I'm going to put this out there now. She needs to call me because I want to do a collab with her. Oh, that would be I think amazing. It would be if we, as New Yorkers, you know. That would be amazing. You know, being from New York and her being from the Bronx or whatever, get together and do a collab with Latinas. <laughs> would you not have a problem? With maybe some of her lyric content, though, would you you she can, you could you can, can speak as she wish. <coughs> she can speak, and you know what? Freedom of speech. I love what she says. I love how she says it and gets it across. I could sing my lyrics, and they don't have to be as cross. You know what I mean? Right, right, I right. I can be as cross. Trust and believe. If I gotta throw, you know, a little this and that in there, I will. I will do it. You uh, know, but I just love her. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to give you a taste. I'm not going to not going to let it continue to play until uh I get at least you got to share my podcast. I mean, I I got some good stuff I need to share with you, right? And I'm going to continue to watch it or do you want to continue to listen? That's the thing. Should I let them finish listening on the Mr. Clean show where we keep it clean around here? Let's see. I think we should. What's up, Joe? How you doing? I'm good, man. This is, this is, this is, this is, Lisa. that is the one and only Lisa Lisa. Hi. Amazing. How you doing? <laughs> I'm wonderful. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great. Miss Thomas, she was amazing. Thank you. Preston, Lisa, uh, Preston is, he kind of works as my, um, associate producer some days. So, um. But, Preston, I wanted to fill you in. We were just talking about a possible <laughs> collaboration with Lisa Lisa and Cardi B. Guess, <laughs> guess, guess who likes to rock out to walk in her car? No way. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being some movement right now. Privately, it's all private. Oh, so, you know, but I love her. I just, I love her. I do, too. Very authentic. <laughs> Preston, uh, what would you like to ask Lisa? Well, you know what? That's actually a perfect segue to my question. Um, in recent years, we've seen a lot of Latino women like Cardi B um, coming into black culture and having an impact on black culture. But you did it at such an early age, so long ago. Did you realize then what impact you would have on urban music? Not at all. I really, again, I really didn't focus on any of that. Um, the record label really didn't focus on the fact that I was the only female in the group. I was only 13 when I started with them, and a Latina, so they never focused on that. And they put all this stuff on me and makeup and stuff to make me look 
again, I so love what I do that that didn't hit me until now. <laughs> we had a lot of guys back there crushing on you, and we didn't realize how young <laughs> you were at the time. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that kind of must be She was just a baby. We were talking about that earlier. She was only, what, 13, 14 years old. Yeah, I was, man. But you know, it took when I first recorded the recorded uh and the first two songs that I recorded in one night were I wonder if I take you home and can you believe. So I was thirteen when those were being recorded. Um, how, how instrumental um would you say the group Full Force was into making Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam the kind of success that you guys became? Oh, they created us. You know, it was their sound with our flavor. You know, so it, they had 100% everything to do with, you know, creating Lisa Lisa culture. They put us together. They had the sound in their heads and in their hearts. They knew exactly what they wanted. Is there ever anything they wanted you to do that you said no to? No, actually. Really? actually you had that much trust in them. That? Here's a little story. Well, this is how we had to record the first album because we had one week to put that out. One week wow. to record it, master it, print it. We were on the road, and they were like, you guys, it's a, it's a hit. Columbia came to us. <laughs> so as we would hit the next city, it would be like 5.30 in the morning. We'd get off the tour bus. I'd go straight to my, my hotel room and try to go to sleep. Uh -uh. My phone would ring, and it would be one of the guys from Full Force. Listen to this. And they'd sing something on the phone, and I'd be like, uh-oh, we got to record this now. So I would run to their room, and we would record vocals and stuff there. You know? So that was and then we took like a day or two to get off the road and, and come back to New York and master, print, and send it out. Uh, you were working. It's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this business, you know, it can uh, chew you up and spit you out. Um, we've lost so many to sometimes professional issues, sometimes personal issues. How have you been able to survive it? orientated and she's very religious you know and it took forever for her to let me wear skirts and makeup <laughs> when I got with the group they were like ma'am you have to we gotta put makeup on her we're doing this video and she was like I don't know about that <laughs> and she finally did that so I think the fact that whenever again whenever I got home she pounded it in throw out the trash wash dishes do your homework I had to do my thing and that kept me grounded I think I think still to this day, the fact that now that I'm a mom, I realize that that home growing is very important to anything it is that you do in life. I mean, it keeps you straight and narrow. Yeah, I mean, you've got to have a foundation. Last year, you signed a deal with Snoop Dogg. Mm -mm. Does, that, <laughs> does that mean we've got some I, new music coming? Oh, amen. Amen. Praise be. Snoop is my man. He's my man. Oh, Snoop and, and Bobby D for Bobby D Presents, they are collaborating and, and managing my career now. And, um, yeah, we got new music. There's a lot of collabs going to happen. I'm trying to put it out there with Cardi because I need her on this album, which is being printed out. <laughs> um, but we have a lot of things happening, a lot of gigs that are still on the books. Uh, starting on 
and um, I have a boot line coming. So I heard you love boots. I heard you love boots. I have no idea. Anybody who knows me (laughs) knows that I live in boots. I don't care where I'm at, what I'm doing. Boots all day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw an interview um, with Janet Jackson recently, and she spoke about on the Control album, Passion Power. She would just go back and talk to Jimmy Terry and tell about her experiences, her real life experiences, and that's how the whole album came together. Was that your experience of full force in the beginning? Did you actually have an input on what was being said and how you were going to say it? And yeah. Was it based on your own personal experiences? Yeah, everything, every song that they've ever written, and myself as well, has been a conversation, has been something about my life. So, yes, I say yes to that question. She's absolutely right. Um, on the road, uh, in the studio, just hanging out, creating, everything was about a question and an answer. My life. <laughs> well, I know for you and for most singers, there's no feeling like, the feeling you get when you're on stage in front of an audience. <laughs> what is life like off stage for you? What kind of feeling does the off stage Lisa Lisa get? I, I'm I'm very happy because again, I love I think my best accomplishment besides music will be my children. Um, I love being a mom, I love teaching them, I love watching them grow and absorb. Um Life for me right now in this COVID <laughs> is entertaining them and 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 training and um, listening to other music and, and studying it and getting myself stronger and mastering that craft because when we come back, we're coming back hard. <laughs> it's gonna be hard. <laughs> well, let's get into. Um, I mean, what's what's the love life like these days? Do Do you have time to? All right, I'm going to stop it right there. I know you guys want to know about Lisa Lisa's love life. But I also want you to leave me a message and let me know how well I'm doing. Um, I just started uh, Anchor. When Exactly, I think I just, this week, actually. This past Monday. And today is what? The 11th of December. That's right, 2020. And I hope you're enjoying my podcast. We're going to continue to listen. But uh, make sure you press that star and share my podcast if you like. And let's continue listening. I think Anchor's great. <laughs> today is, is, uh, how, how many people slide in your DMs a day, Lisa Lisa? Oh my God, you're me and you're no <laughs> I get people <clears throat> sliding in my DMs all the time, but no, <laughs> I'm, I'm a mom and I can't. Look, look I'm gonna keep it real. I'm I'm real a wimp when it comes to emotions and feelings, and when I love, I love hard. So mm. my my divorce was hard for me. And um, I don't want to get heartbroken again. So I'm just free right now. Okay. All right. Well, you know. Stay I don't need all that. Oh, it's scary. Stay out of her DMs, Preston. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. That brings us to um, uh, this game. 
that we have for you. Oh, has a game? Yeah, on JDTV oh, we play let me, games. Let me play this card. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. Before we say goodbye, we have this game. and uh, This is one of Preston's creations. Preston's our, our game creator here. I'm going to give you different scenarios. You ain't going to give a nothing. Shut up. Big mouth fucker. relationship and you tell me <laughs> you tell me um if you would be lost in emotion or that's, all cried out that's the song i play lost Lots of emotion.
Well, listen, listen. You have been such a pleasure to talk to. She has, she has. I am so glad we were able to make this happen. And I wish you all the success on the new music. If you ever come to a city near me, I'm going to be front row and center. And uh, uh, keep doing what you're doing because we love you so much. Thank you so much. And yes, you will be front and center. I promise you that. Thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. President, you want to say goodbye? That'll do it, ladies and gentlemen. That will do it. Lisa, Lisa. Still beautiful. Let me see. I would like to play her song, All Cried Out. Or he mentioned a different one as well. Let me see which one is that. Oh, yes. Get prepared, ladies and gentlemen, to listen to the <clears throat> the young Lisa. Lisa. And I mean, she sounds great, too. For the ones who don't, who uh, wasn't uh, listening to her as a teen or as a preteen, this is her right here. And everybody was crazy about this song. Everybody had this song on their Walkman.
things your way, I had to go astray. Oh, why was I such a fool? Now I see that the grass is greener. Is it too late for me to find my way home? How could I be so Yes, Lisa Lisa. Yes. It's another song that I wanted to share with you as well. Um Let's see what it is. Let me just put a name in. Let's see. We are live right now, ladies and gentlemen. I have to take my time. Well, this my oh god, yes, this the one. This the one right here. This the one coming next. So you make you make sure if you want to follow her on Instagram. And uh, she says she coming back with Snoop Dogg, and uh, she named somebody else too. Snoop Dogg and uh, Cardi B. <laughs> that 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 would be something. Okay, let's listen to my jam. You know I used to jam this in the bathroom. Boy, that echo was something else. Let's, let's listen to this. It's my jam here. Yeah. Yeah, this my jam. <clears throat> yes, yes.
play now what you gonna play now Bobby I don't know but what's never I play it got to be funky let me see wait let me see let me see what shall I play uh no I don't want to hear that I don't want to hear that. They don't even have a damn pause button on this this shit. They should have a goddamn pause button, but I'm live. Yes, that go to show you. This is this is the real this is the real thing right here, baby. Ain't no ain't no plan on this. This is the real thing. I guess I'm gonna have to look him up. He's bad. He's bad. Uh, I had him in my playlist. I got so much stuff in my playlist. It's a shame. This this guy, this cat here, this cat here is bad. You hear me? 
He bad. Every time I have a barbecue, I please him. I please him. You hear me? I play him. So I want you to check him out. I'm going to tell you who he is when he get this. This guy here, he bad. Right this one. Okay. Here you go. <laughs> I would say something, but I ain't gonna, I'm gonna keep that. I'm gonna keep it to myself. That other part. But he is right here. I ain't gonna blow your ears away. play in i believe he used to play with prince but it says here uh brown mark brown mark and when i first uh heard him play because I, I was looking up the song let's work and i saw him playing on uh youtube so i went on the computer and was looking and come to find out I saw B Mark and everything and I said, Oh my goodness, I got to add him to my playlist. And it sounds so much better on, you know, on your uh your speaker or whatever, you know. And when and when I played at the barbecue, you should see him out there dance. You should see him. I'm gonna play it again just for that. I'm gonna play this again. I got to hear it again.
Take it to the bridge. Take it to the bridge, baby. Take it to the bridge. Good. That's it right there. Thanks again, baby. Thanks again. Oh, this somebody else wanna play. Uh-oh. Who is this? They just busting in on my podcast. Excuse me. Bust in on my on my podcast. His name is Jackie Clark. He just bust in here on my shit. Excuse my friend. Step on it now, step on it. We're gonna put Prince up here in a minute. <laughs> Ooh, God bless his soul, baby. Rest in peace.
I mean, he just jumped on my shit. I mean, he just—he just literally jumped on my podcast. He was not in the program. He was not in the lineup. <laughs> but I enjoyed it, so. Uh, I guess I will add him to my, uh, <laughs> I got, I add him to, uh, instrumentals, I guess, or either bass. I can't add him to bass, but I can add him to, he, I can't add him to bass and I can't add him to funk because I got Mr. Uh, Brown Mark on the funk. I told y'all going to play some funky. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have another treat for you. And this young lady is the best I've seen yet. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, let me pull her up. I'm so used to being broke, but not no Check her out on uh, YouTube. She is Julia Plays Groove. Julia Plays Groove. But the thing is, uh, I think I was looking for, uh, I thought I had lost her for a minute. Am I still subscribed? Yeah. thought I had lost my girl at one time. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I'm a big fan, so... Let's look through her videos, see what else she got here. I'm a big fan of hers. And when you see her, you're going to be shocked. You're going to think, you're going to think, oh my goodness. When I first heard her, I couldn't believe it. My mouth flew wide open because she's so young. Yes, very talented. Let me see if I can. Find the one I want to hear. Now, she cuts up on this. I can't get help but to get up and, and dance. And everybody I show it to, just their mouth is wide open. Wide open. She's got a, she got good taste in music, too. I like some of the same things she like. Let me see. Can I find it? I'll tell you something else. She's, she's, uh, she, uh, she, uh, she, uh, every time you, 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 uh, comment, she like it just about every time. 
and she pays good close attention to her fans and everything. Pays close attention to her fans. I remember when she liked my comment and everything. What is it? Let me see. Let me see. Can I find that? Well, she cuts up on this. There it is. Here it is. You got, I hope you got your seatbelt on. I hope you got your seatbelt on. I would say bells and whistles, but no, 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 no. I hope you got your seatbelt on. We made the USA. Hmm. We won't get no commercial in on this one. Play it, baby, play it. I can almost hear Luther singing to it. She's so damn good. Listen. Set it on fire, sugar. Set it on fire.
second time. Yeah. She put some leave me in the shame. <laughs> Ooh, she can play. She, she look like she ain't no more than 12. 12 years old. He did a good job, too. She did a great job. Yes, she did. My goodness. Man, some of you grown men. Let's look at this song now. She got 76K. Likes and 440 dislikes. So somebody must have made a mistake and pressed that on their phone, trying to hurry up and get down to the comments because she she did a great job. My goodness, 1.3 million views. My God, mm -mm, in one year. Cause when I first heard it, she didn't have that many. I shared it on my Facebook, and I'm sharing it with you tonight. My goodness, I mean, she she told that up. Yeah, she did. She played some most hits, too, some most stuff here, too. Let's see what this is here. Yeah. And here got another little girl right here playing, too. Let's see what she does. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Welcome to lunch. Take two. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing. Peace and blessings. I'm Erica Badu. Welcome to lunch. Badu is my name. Ism is when you smoke, right? And it gets you high. Well, Baduism is designed to get you high, as you can get through uh, pure music, energy, and soul. Baduism. I, I grew up listening to um, old, old soul. I'm a 70s baby. Shaka Khan, Stevie Wonder was my first sight. Um, Thelonious Monk. Marvin Gaye, Earth, Wind, and Fire, The Emotions, all of those people. And then, as I got to be a teenager, I was a hip-hop baby. And, and the, the heartbeat of, of my music became the bass line and the drums. And then I got more into jazz. I think I've always sounded like I sound, but I think more than Billy and I sound alike, I think we feel alike. I share that emotion. And because I have the ability to um, sing, 
with emotion and feeling. I, I think that's it. Um, but if you say I sound like Billie Holiday, that's cool. Let's look at who Billie was. She was this person, this singer, this beautiful diva who could like move an audience with a slight uh, gesture of her hand. If I'm doing that, too. <laughs> I started performing when I was maybe two or three years old on a tape recorder, one of those little flat recorders that you just push play and record. My grandmother taught me how to use it, and I used to sing church songs because she didn't let us sing any other kind of stuff. She brought us she brought us a, a piano, and I wrote my first song, and it says, Baby, baby, there you are. You're more precious than a star. Oh, my, my grandmother came in, and I was like seven years old. She was like, you don't know nothing about no baby, baby. So she made me change it to Jesus, Jesus. Apples. Oh, how I got the name Apples, I do not know. I think there's a boy in my class named Keldrick Newton. He uh, decided to call me Apples because he thought I was cute. But the MC part, I just, I was rapping all the time, making up um, poems and syncopating and putting them to hip hop beats. Just rapping, flowing, since the Sugar Hill Gang was out. So um, I didn't have a rap name, so I was just Apples. You know, just keeping it real. You know how to do. I'm a, I'm a hip-hopper. Hip-hop is something you live. Rap is something you do. And it makes me very angry that we're misrepresented as a hip-hop nation. It makes me angry that we're being killed every day by one another, the government, um, the food we eat, the choices we make. It makes me very angry because it doesn't have to be this way, but it is. Man, I don't want to have nothing to do with computers. All that I want government in my business. Mm. No. Because no matter what I believe, what the powers that be believe will affect me. So y'all can have them computers. Ladies and gentlemen, this in, this concludes... Uh, my video with Erica Badu. Uh, thank you for for listening. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Clean uh, cussed me out a minute ago, and uh, I'm all right and everything. He told me, "Well, you can listen to it for yourself." I recorded it. He don't know I recorded it. He went to the store, so he won't be back for, you know, for but for a minute. He he gone, and so this is what he said to me. This is what Mister Clean said to me. I don't take it personal. I try not to take it personal, and everything. You know, everything gonna be all right in this up in up in here. Not only that, it's gonna be a good dancery. So we're not going to let that bother us, not one bit. Mm -mm. So I've been fair warned. So if you're this type of person, just stay away, okay? I, I want you to watch what you have on my, in my studio while I'm resting, while I'm trying to sleep. I want you to watch what you have in my studio. What 
that means by here in my studio. You can record what you want to record on that podcast. But don't record a lot of young shit, silly shit, and stupid shit, because we don't want no Hebrew, please, blinds, and nets following us, because they do not donate, and they full of shit. Keep it civilized. News, good music, remote town,
Sports, as well as some food chains like Krispy Kreme and Papa John's. Then there is his career in entertainment and show business, where Shaq did almost everything a person can do, from talking basketball with Ernie Kenny and Chuck to acting, rapping, DJing, and producing. He also drove undercover Lyft, orchestrated a classical concert, and boxed five rounds with Oscar De La Hoya. Big Diesel is also an owner of many business ventures. He owns several hundred restaurants, gyms, car washes, and other franchises, including minority ownership of Sacramento Kings, despite famously calling them queens in his playing days. By saving and investing 75% of his income, Shaq is now earning more than he ever did as a player. Shaq spent his first million in under an hour. Shaq's family didn't have a lot of money when he was growing up, but that changed when O'Neal was drafted number one overall in 1992. Shaq's rookie salary was $3 million before taxes, and Shaq managed to spend nearly half within 24 hours of his first check from the Magic. As soon as the money landed on his account, Shaq went to a Mercedes dealership and bought a $150,000 black Mercedes with some big rims on that thing. When he got home, his father asked him, okay, but where's mine? So Shaq and Sarge Harrison drove the Mercedes back to the dealership and came back with two of a kind. After another call for his mom, some clothes, electronics, and gifts, Shaq was $80,000 in debt. After a call from the bank explaining that he had spent almost half of his rookie salary in one day, Shaq sobered up and started taking his finances seriously. Shaq was recruited by LSU at age 13 when mistaken for a soldier. If you see someone who is 6 foot 8 and wearing size 17 sneakers, it's hard to imagine that they are only 13 years of age. However, that's... The Cuervo Doppelbrinker. Come on! what happened in Shaq's case, who was mistaken for an army recruit by Dale Brown. Brown was a basketball coach for LSU, where he coached for 25 years. He was putting on a coaching clinic in Bildfleck in West Germany, where the 13-year-old Shaq lived at the time because his father was army stationed there. Due to his size, Brown assumed O'Neal was already in college, and Shaq had to explain that he's only 13. You're 13? Take me to your father immediately, Dale Brown said. After he spoke to Shaq's family, he offered him a scholarship on the spot. Five years after, Shaq became a Tiger, where he would spend three years playing for Coach Brown. Shaq has a platinum rap album. Many basketball players wanted to become rap stars in the 90s. Many have tried, but few have been successful. Iverson's album flunked and was cited to be exceedingly profanity-filled. Chris Webber doesn't like to remember his song Gangsta Gangsta, and Kobe dabbled in rap as well, only to realize he better quit before he jeopardizes his marketing appeal. Shaq didn't have such problems, and is considered to be the best NBA rapper of all time. His first album, Shaq Diesel, went platinum and sold over a million copies. What's Up Doc with Foosh Nickens is considered to be the best song on Shaq Diesel, as well as I Know I Got Skills, which reached number 35 on the Billboard Hot 100. His next album, Shaq Fu, The Return, went gold, and further established Shaq's relevance in the rap game. And even though he sold over 2 million records with his four albums, he earned less than $100,000 from it, which is proof of how studios can exploit young artists. Shaq made just one three-pointer in his career. Steph Curry is Shaq's favorite current NBA player for the fact that he is fearless despite his small stature and because he's the best shooter in history, the only basketball skill Shaq never possessed. Bitfella was a notoriously bad free throw shooter with just 52% success rate from the line. O'Neal only hit one three in his career, which was a half-court heave in his final season in Orlando. Shaq is just one for 22 behind the arc for his career. The NBA had to change the rules for backboards because of him. There is a two-man conversation when the topic of the most dominant NBA big man comes around. Some people believe that's Wilt Chamberlain, 
and others say it's Shaq. I lean towards Shaq in that discussion simply because he attacked the rim like he has some kind of personal vendetta towards it. Wilt liked to use finger rolls and hook shots and didn't use his strength as much as he could have, which we talked about in our video on him. In Kobe's words, Shaq had a lot of dog in him and was vicious on the court. When he sensed he's better than somebody, he wanted to humiliate and abuse that player and would often dunk people to the ground. And this kind of brute force was too much for NBA backboards, which were constructed for tall, heavy men leaning onto them. But nobody tested their endurance as Shaq did. After he broke his second backboard in his rookie year, NBA was forced to enhance the rims and the stanchions that supported them just for Shaq and his Shaq attack. And if you're wondering how many rims did he break during his entire career, the answer is 19. And the evidence lies in his backyard where Shaq has a tree of broken backboards. It's his unofficial trophy as the most dominant man who ever played. Shaq has a doctoral degree. Shaq goes by many names. In Orlando, he was Superman. As a rapper, he became Shaq Diesel and Shaq Fu. In La La, he wanted to be called the Big Aristotle, followed by the Big Cactus when he played in the deserts of Arizona, and then the Big Shamrock when he wore the Celtics green. There were many others as well, but nothing pleases Shaq more than people calling him Dr. O'Neill. Shaq received his doctorate from Barry University in Miami in 2012, where he finished their organizational learning and leadership program, mostly through online classes. His doctoral dissertation focused on how CEOs and business leaders use humor in the workplace, which is a topic very close to Shaq, an owner of many businesses that also happens to be the biggest kid in the world. Shaq recruited Penny Hardaway while filming Blue Chips. Blue Chips is one of the best basketball movies ever. It starred three-time Oscar nominee Nick Nolte as a college basketball coach who tried to recruit some blue chip prospects for a struggling team. Shaq starred as Neon Boudot, and Penny Hardaway was Butch McRae, and the movie featured a dozen prominent basketball figures, such as Larry Bird, Kevin Garnett, Bob Kelsey, and others. Blue Chips is highly regarded for its basketball scenes, and it was because the producers wanted to cast real ball players. After Shaq became the first pick of the draft in the NBA, he became the first pick to play Neon in the movie. He said yes, and it was on the set of the film he met Penny Hardaway, who was a player for the University of Memphis and preparing to go in the next year's draft. O'Neal first thought Penny was an actor, but soon realized that's not the case. Impressed by Penny's skills, the two became friends, and Shaq lobbied for Orlando's management to draft Hardaway in the 93 draft. His wish was granted, and Magic traded for Hardaway on draft night, and the duo went to the 95 NBA Finals together. Now get one of our best buy... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here is a rare nineteen sixty eight Smokey Robinson interview. I hope you enjoy it. In nineteen sixty eight, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles kicked off the Boston Summer Thing program. Before performing at Carter Playground, Smokey was interviewed by Jimmy Earlybird at WYLD. Smokey talked about what he saw as his responsibility as a black performer and the kind of advice he would give young people working at careers in entertainment. Do you feel that entertainers such as yourself and James Brown should become more involved in uh, the black man's problems today? Well, uh, in other words, we are involved because we're black men. So we're involved automatically, whether or not we want to be, we're involved. And uh, I think that it's a good thing, in other words, for someone who can, whatever you say is going to be recognized, you know, if you mm -hmm. get in that position, to speak out this and, is to, what say, I was say and to say what you think of it, in other words, because uh, if not, you can be used as an example. Can be used well okay so here's a black man here who 
is successful and uh, he lives here in this country and he's not going through all these repercussions, so it's not true. But that's not so. In other words, you have to let them know that you realize that this is happening and that uh, you feel like something should be done about mm -hmm. it. Uh, Smokey, do you find uh, in your travels throughout the country and the world that uh, a lot of uh, uh, up-and-coming artists will ask you for information of just how do you become a recording artist or, or what's the first step to take? What, do you, what advice do you give a youngster like this? Well, the first advice that uh, we would give someone is to find out if they're still attending school. If they have not reached the point where they've graduated from high school, we always prompt them to do so because it is what you really need. In other words, because you cannot forget how to sing or dance or whatever you want to do in this business during the course of going to school. And school is far more important if you have not received a high school education than pursuing any type of career as far as I'm concerned. So uh, we always uh, prompt the kids to stay in school. If they're out of school, then it's going to take a lot of hard work. And uh, if they're in a group, they're going to have to understand and love one another and stick together. Do you have an opportunity such as your... Uh, enjoying in Boston uh, to visit the areas, uh, the, uh, the, the the ghettos, to say hello to the kids and to advise them to stay in school? Well, of late, Jimmy, that's, we've been doing quite a bit of that, and it's been a great thing. I mean, I've really enjoyed it, and I'm sure the other guys have too, because we have a chance to mingle with the kids and to let them know that we are for them mm -hmm. and to, uh, like I said, try to impress upon them how important education is or trying to gear your life in a positive form. Well, I enjoy people very much. I enjoy meeting people who uh, come to see us and uh, who come to the dressing room and uh, sit there and talk. I, I like to know what people are thinking and doing because you have to stay on top of people in order to be in this business, I believe. Uh, you cannot isolate yourself. When a person becomes successful in the entertainment field and uh, they get big shotish or something like that. It's so stupid because you're only a human being. You're only what you start out being and you just happen to be, ever since there have been men on earth, there's been somebody entertaining. So now it's not anything different or anything new. Yeah, I'll that one. Oh, seriously. Kiss your toe. Kiss you back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Never go wash this bad I would like for our group uh, to be legendary. I mean, in other words, not to just exist for now and not to be known in future years or thought of by someone or known by someone. I mean, even if we stop singing, I would like for it to be a thing whereas, for instance, I don't care how young a child is, usually they've heard of the Mills Brothers, who have been in this business for 50 years, I'm sure. But still, they're the Mills Brothers, and uh, their name will be legendary as far as this business goes. And uh, I would like, uh, if possible, for the same thing to happen to us.
in five, four, three, two, one. If the word gets out in the black community, particularly the part of the community that would have been at the concert, young black people, young black men, young black women, that the city would not let James Brown come to town and perform in the wake of King's assassination, I said, all hell will break loose. Baby, baby, baby. It was being held downtown. It was ancillary to the, to the real problem in Roxbury. And why are we focusing on a concert? But while the blacks would come downtown, or if it was canceled and they didn't come down, that would exacerbate. And if it was precariously balanced, this might light the fuse that lit the, lit the fire. Baby, baby, baby. While there were dangers, it would be even worse in many ways to uh, say to those young people that you now can't <laughs> have the opportunity to see uh, a cultural hero. You know, um, be, you know, because we're afraid of what you'll do. everyone else, I just felt like my stomach had dropped out. I opened the note and it said that Martin Luther King had been uh, shot and uh, killed. It was a, you know, it was really a, just a shocking moment. There was, um, 
you know, it was a mixture of emotions, frustration, anger, tremendous amount of anger, uh, despair, sadness. There were some meetings that night, and people uh, uh, went, began to go out in the streets uh, and see what was happening, try to um, be, uh, create an atmosphere that would say you know, to people in the community that we needed to uh, stay calm and not uh, jam ourselves up to the action. I didn't act immediately. Uh, uh, I think the first decision I came to was to agree, at least for the moment, to keep the police out and, and, and let Roxbury, uh, for a moment, sift its emotions out without any police or city hall presence. A bit of a risk, uh, but I saw no other option at the time. When people are grieving and they might want to lash out and they might have thought, what are the police doing here? No, Dr. King's dead. What are the police doing here? So I think it was a good decision not to send police in. I think it was a wise decision to have the concert because it allowed people to sort of let off some steam, but yet mourn at the same time because James Brown, of course, was a person who was speaking to young people in those days.
Himself. There are a thousand other issues besides this concert. I mean, the police, uh, the, 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 the community was still precariously balanced. He said, I'm not having all those people downtown. He said, we can't, the police have told me they couldn't control it and that all hell would break loose and we would lose, we would have millions of dollars worth of, worth of property damage. I said, uh, that's just the beginning of the problem you're going to have if you cancel this concert. You, you have to understand, fatigue sets in, tension sets in, uh, uncertainty sets in. I don't care who you are. And for a mayor, I wasn't frightened, I wasn't scared. My mind was totally focused in taking on an overload of, of not only ideas, but impressions for the first time. I tried to convince the mayor that the city's interests uh, dictated that he reverse himself. Number one. Number two, that his personal political interests uh, dictated that he reversed himself because at that point, in the spring of 1968, Kevin White was still being mentioned on most of the medium-sized lists as someone who was a possible contender, uh, if not for president, at least for vice president. And he liked the way that sounded, liked the way it looked in print. And it was clear because I had talked to him about it previously. And I told him that he, he could forget it. That, that if Boston went up for this reason, uh, that nobody would talk to him. That he wouldn't be taken seriously anyway. You can get! You can get! You can get!
came up with the idea of trying to get uh, one of the television stations to agree to tape the program live and to show it during the time that it otherwise would have been seen by 15 or 18,000 people, show it to a million people. By the time it was clear what the impact of the, the announcement by the mayor of this public airing of the Brown concert was, was going to be, namely how many people were lining up to get refunds and, and that nobody was coming to buy tickets, uh, it was also clear that Brown was furious. So nobody wanted to meet him. Nobody wanted to talk to James. The issue of $60,000 for the concert came up uh, during the concern with contractual rights that affected him. Uh, and and uh, it was just the straw that, that almost you know, made me either laugh or cry. In the middle of this, he's looking for $60,000. It isn't that I wouldn't have spent it. I was so unprepared. He wasn't even offering me a ticket. I had convinced the mayor that in order to avoid being sued by Brown for uh, interfering with his contract with the garden, that the city would have to or ought to commit to make up the difference between what came in, in fact, and what they would reasonably have expected to get. And the mayor, after much angry discussion, finally and very reluctantly agreed to that. I was treating it politically. I argued or for a moment and surrendered immediately. It wasn't the time to argue over money. That is a young man, mayor or not, I knew. And once that was settled quickly. Uh, Brown couldn't have been more pleasant, effusive, and supportive, and in the end, he was worth the 60. I'm gonna roll myself up in a big ball. I gotta roll myself up in a big ball. Gonna get me a soul sister from over there. Now. Gotta get me one for my here now. Gotta get me one from over there. Gotta have a good time.
tired, not to overly dramatize it, but I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm not, maybe I'm a bit self-sympathetic. I can't remember. But the point is, and my mind is on overload. So I'm waiting to be introduced. I don't know what I'm going to say. The gardens is dark. And, uh, and uh, all is the spotlight on the stage. So for a moment, uh, I thought, you know, somebody took a pop at me from the balcony. Somebody took a shot at me. Uh, Atkins started out. He didn't have the instinct for the crowd. Nor would I, I think. Brown did immediately. He owned them to start. So when Tom was reaching for words or trying to find the appropriate introduction, I wouldn't have done much better myself. Brown grabbed the mic. First, I'd like to say I had the pleasure to meet him, and I, I said to Honorable Mayor, he said, look, man, say, you can come down with me. Say, I'm all together. So let's say a swinging cat. Okay. Mayor Kevin, right, give him a big round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. He's a swinging cat. And uh, you think we were born in the same nursery when he got through. <laughs> Uh, he was <laughs> uh, My mother hadn't spoke that well of me uh, during the campaign. And, of course, he m put me immediately at ease, and he married me to the audience, which I could not have done myself in that environment. 24 hours ago, Dr. King died for all of us, black and white. that we may live together in harmony without violence and in peace. People look at the concert and look at WGBH, but what they don't see, <laughs> as, uh, as often you, you just don't see, is, a peop is what was happening on the streets, um, uh, on the part of, of people uh, from the community who were working to, to make sure that the situation worked positively, and it, and it did. Uh, but the unfortunate thing is that the community, people in the community don't get the credit for the job that uh, was done in helping to, uh, to create, to calm the atmosphere.
That was James Brown, 1968, The Politics of Soul. Hello, and welcome to Mr. Clean once again. I'm in the studio, and I'm having fun. I have a song here uh, that I'm going to play, and I hope you enjoy it. It's by Tracy Chapman. In five, four, three, two, one. Your arm felt nice wrapped round my shoulder and I 
What's been going on with Tracy Chapman? Uh, I have something uh, here that uh, goes with her um, lineup here on um, having fun with Mr. Clean. Um, Whatever happened to Tracy Chapman? Whatever happened to Tracy Chapman? I remember Tracy Chapman, good, good, uh, guitar player, great singer. So let's check it out. An introspective singer songwriter producing such hits as Fast Car and Give Me One Reason. She was born in Ohio in March 1964, but was raised in Connecticut. It was Chapman's mother who first encouraged her daughter's love of music, giving Tracy her first instrument, a ukulele, when she was just three years old. Chapman began writing and performing original music while enrolled to study African studies and anthropology at Tufts University. Her self-titled first album was released in 1988, and the world met a woman who will always speak a powerful truth on issues such as poverty, racism, and violence against women, but who also clearly values her own sense of privacy. That year, Rolling Stone profiled Chapman, referring to her carefully wrought tales of characters in contemporary America who seek meaning in the face of society's fragmentation. But just because she was caught up in the spotlight doesn't mean she likes to parade in front of the media. In 2018, Chapman told the Irish Times, Being in the public eye and under the glare of the spotlight was, and still is, to some extent uncomfortable for me. But there are some ways in which everything that has happened in my life has prepared me for this career. But I am a bit shy. 
Obviously, the celeb lifestyle isn't well suited to Chapman, and she knows it too. She told the Irish Times, I have this personality that is a bit on the reserved side, and which has never really sought out the limelight. That made me perhaps not the ideal person for this job. But the limelight sought out Chapman nonetheless. In June 1988, a few months after her first album was released, she was booked to perform a tribute concert in honor of Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday. The venue was Wembley Stadium in London, and she performed not one set, but two, because one of the other acts refused to play. And Chapman blew the audience away in a very, very public setting. This stroke of luck led to further successes for Chapman, but the singer has nonetheless always been more than happy to step back into the shadows. Her last studio album was recorded in 2008, while a Greatest Hits compilation was released in 2015. She's also notoriously protective of her work, refusing frequent requests to use or sample her songs in other media. In fact, it came as quite a shock to Chapman's fans that the artist gave permission to Lena Dunham to use Fast Car in the series finale of Girls back in 2007. The show's music director had reached out to Chapman's people, fully expecting to be turned down. Remarkably, however, Donovan and Chapman spoke to each other on the phone and came to an agreement in just 10 minutes. But it's not always like that. Case in point. In 2018, Chapman brought a suit for copyright infringement against Nicki Minaj. The rapper had recorded a collaboration titled Sorry with fellow artist Nas that had used Chapman's 1988 track Baby Can I Hold You Without Chapman's Permission. Although the Minaj track was never released, it was played on Hot 97 as well as a number of other outlets, and so audio for the song does exist online. It wasn't as though Minaj didn't ask for Chapman's permission to use Baby Can I Hold You though, as have many others over the years for one composition or another. She asked and Chapman declined. Minaj's team persisted, however, and a Lena Dunham-style sit-down between the two artists was briefly touted, with Minaj herself admitting on Twitter that she was trying desperately to pull it off. In the end, however, Chapman never relented. You're unlikely to hear Chapman's side of it anytime soon, though. The singer outright refuses to use social media, never discusses her private life, and rarely gives interviews. Instead, she spends much of her time engaging in quiet activism, often playing benefit gigs for causes dear to her heart. Don't expect that to change anytime soon. Check out one of our newest videos right Christmas is... Yep, that was uh, Tracy Chapman uh, just looking online for some information about her recently. And uh, this was uh, recorded like... Um, let's see. This was recorded just December the 11th, 2020, by the way. Uh, four months ago. This says four months ago. Uh, that's when, uh, that's the update on her. And here's another one that, that could be in her own words. Now, the other one uh, was done by somebody else, you know. But this one right here is in her own words. Let's check it out. Over the course of 27 years, Tracy Chapman has moved us time and time again. Her songs are instantly recognisable and strike a chord in every heart. Well, with just three or four chords, <laughs> generally. Uh, seven US Bureau Chief Mike Amor went along to meet her on the eve of the release of her greatest hits album. She's got a voice that can stop you in your tracks. How bad, how good does it need to get? And back in 1988, when a young Tracy Chapman released her self-titled album, the world couldn't help but stop and listen. The first album was just so different to what was around then. I don't think anyone expected a record from a solo singer-songwriter to um, be received in the way that my, my first record was. I, I didn't expect it, of course. I 
no idea what was coming. Immediately, this young accidental activist gained critical acclaim. Don't you know you're talking about a revolution that sounds... Her song of revolution embodying the spirit of a movement thousands of miles and many continents away. Leading her to perform at one very special revolutionary's tribute concert. I just want to take you back to one special moment um, in your career as performing at Nelson Mandela's uh, 70th birthday. What was that like? It, it was amazing um, and terrifying, <laughs> truthfully. I, I wish I could say how I managed to get there. I almost feel like, you know, we snuck in through the back door or something. <laughs> because, you know, no one knew of me at that point. Uh, I think my record had just come out. And then there I was, out there, singing talk about a revo revolution. At a time when music could galvanize a nation, her powerful lyrics and soulful tunes struck a chord. She went on to win three Grammy Awards the following year. Suddenly, everyone was singing her song. What was it like to be caught up in that at the time? It was exciting, of course, um, and scary. I, I, I had all these moments, these first moments um, of uh, you know playing for bigger audiences. I'd started out playing in coffee houses and street performing, and uh, you know playing for two or three hundred people at the most, and and then it all changed, you know, and seemingly overnight. And for a shy young woman from Cleveland, Ohio, the sudden fame was overwhelming. How did you handle it? It's just such a radical change in, in your life, and mostly just in the way that people perceive you and the, you know, that you get recognized and, um, and people pay attention to what you do. And I, I take it you're not someone that you know, particularly enjoys being out in the public eye apart from your music. Yeah, I'm not much uh, drawn to the limelight. We don't see you in the tabloids, for example. I hope not. <laughs> That's a doppelganger if you do see one. Last night I heard the screaming. Tracy sang of revolution and domestic violence. Across the lines. Who would dare to... <clears throat> okay, ladies and gentlemen, this interview that you're listening to is four years old. That's right, four years old. Yep, 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 yep. And it was placed on, on here in 2015 of December the 16th, so we're gonna move right along. Seven. Four going up the road. 
So growing up, what type of music did you listen to and who were your favorite artists? Well, my favorite was B.B. King, a young man that caught my ear with uh, his phrasing, his type of blues deliverer. And I always, I always listened to uh, Jimmy Weatherspoon, Arthur Price, Matt King Cole is what I listened to for the diction, how to sing the blues and pronounce it the right way. Did you have any dreams of becoming a recording artist? And if so, how old were you when you first had the desire to become a singer? Well, I started in the church, and I know you heard this before, but actually, I started in the kitchen singing with my grandmother, spiritual songs, and uh, from there to slipping out to the supper clubs, listening outside of the window, because it wasn't allowed in any club at all. And so I started to listen to Mud Piggy, Johnny Hooker, Muddy Water, Big Joe Turner, those kind of people. And then I finally ran across B.B. King. And I thought that was it, you understand? It's so ironic because I watched the film Cadillac Records and it featured artists such as Money Waters, Little Walter, and Etta James, all who recorded for Chess Records. Now, I've done my homework on you, Mr. Vlad. Uh-huh. Is it true that you recorded for Chess Records as well? Yeah, I did one record for Chess and uh, they didn't think I was qualified uh, to make a good singer. And that was quite early in my career, and they were probably right the way they were thinking. But it takes time to become a good artist, you know, and to know how to record, and know how to use your voice. Because I had the voice, but I didn't know what to do with it. Okay, with that being said, exactly how did you get started in the music industry? Well, I started in church, period. I know you heard it before. But I went to Houston in 1955 and uh, met a fellow by the name of Don Roby. And uh, they got me, Miss Evelyn Johnson got me in the studio. And uh, they had some selections for me to do. And Joe Scott was the one that uh, gave me my first lesson of recording. And he told me how to place things and, and uh, how you're supposed to react in the studio. And so here I am today. Now, I know you spent a little time as Army. Yeah, after your brief stint in the Army, when you returned to Memphis and began to run with Lil' Joe Park, is that right? Lil' Junior Park. Lil' Junior Park, I'm yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I started driving for Junior Parker and B.B. King. So it was during this time that you met your long-time friend and blues brother, B.B. King. That's right. Mm-hmm. And he gave me the opportunity to go to a short uh, club based with him, uh, 40, 50 miles out of Memphis. And uh, then I got with Junior Parker, and I was with him for a good many years as his driver and singer, you know. Wow. Uh, did you two, you and B.B., back in the day, 
imagine that you all would have the success that you all have achieved to date? Well, I can't speak for BB, but it's very surprising to be as strong as I am today. And I'm very pleased with the, with the uh, public to accept my voice, you understand, to be out here today. Okay, early in your career, you toured on the children's circuit like so many other artists in the late 50s and the early 60s. I read an article where B.B. King stated that his best times as an artist was spent on the children's circuit. Do you feel the same way? Most definitely I do, because that was the fun part, and that was the one that they were really serious. They weren't pretending at all. They were very happy in their way for B.B. to be where he was and for me to be trying to get in the position to get where he was, you know. Okay. Now, some of your early hits was Father on Up the Road, I Pity the Fool, and Turn on Your Love Light. These records were being sold all across America. Were they considered blues songs when you originally recorded them? Well, I would say they call it blues, but it was kind of a, a jazzy blues type thing. And uh, it's according to how I taught to sing what made it what it is today. And I say Joe Scott was... You're tied up, you better stay tied up, because it's cheaper to keep her. This is from T, it says, It's cheaper to keep her. It's cheaper to keep up When your little girl make you mad huh. And you get an attitude and pack your bags Five little children that you're leaving behind Son, you're gonna pay some alimony or do some time That's why it's cheaper to keep up Help me say it, y'all It's cheaper to keep up
Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Johnny Taylor, Cheaper to Keep Her. Yes, 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 yes. What a song, yes. Uh, go look him up and add him to your playlist. Oh, yes, I got him on mine. Every song I can find with him singing, I put it on my playlist. All right. Yes, this is having fun. I have not received any donations. I have not received anything. Uh, You haven't pressed that support button to uh, contribute anything to this podcast. I'm just learning uh, how to use it, really. And I'm trying to have fun, you know, while I use it, this app. You know, it's just a regular app and everything that I'm trying out and uh, putting all my recordings and voice on here to the public for anybody to listen to and enjoy why I do it can be kind of, I don't know, I don't know. You could be in New York somewhere, England or whatever, it don't matter. But press that support button and let me know that you are listening because that would, means so much as far as you sharing it or whatever, you know, I, that would be nice as well because I don't know. But anyway, um, I have uh, a recorder on my phone. All, all cell phones come with a voice recorder on it. You know, I could I could do this without, you know, wanting to share it, you know. But, hey, it's something I decided to try out. Uh, I have here um, something that I wouldn't mind sharing with you. Um, Do you remember Buckwheat? Let's listen to see what this man has to say about Buckwheat, okay? William Thomas, Jr. He was born 12 March 1931 in Los Angeles, California. He was an only son of a janitor, William Thomas, Sr. Now, when Billy was around three years old, his mother took him to several interviews where Billy was picked from among several kids hoping to win a part in the air gang companies. <coughs> According to the Hal Road Studios, Billy had the right look, so he was assigned a contract making $45 a week. Billy first appeared as Buckwheat in 1935. (laughs) Hal Roach, our gang comedist, was sold to MGM in 1938. Buckwheat was the only little rascal to star in all 52 MGM short films. Buckwheat's name came from a popular breakfast cereal at the time. <laughs> oh my goodness. He appeared in his last role. Just the, stop it. Just stop. 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 
Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> I know you were listening and I know you was enjoying that, but I'm going to stop it right there because you have not donated. Yes, I can stop it if I want to. Yes, sir. I can stop it whenever I get ready. Yes, I can stop it when I want to. Yep, yep, yep. But I don't know much about Buckwheat myself, so let's continue to listen at this little little adventure of this little guy. He's uh he was in the little rascals. Little rascals. A favorite uh television show from a long time ago, around the thirties, early thirties, mid thirties. So let's see what what's going on. Let's listen to the one that knows about it. I don't know anything about it. Let's let's listen. The thing the whole thing is to listen. Because you never know what I might share. You never know what I might share. That's why you have to donate. This is William Thomas Jr. Mm-hmm. He was born 12 March 1931 in Los Angeles, California. He was an only son of a janitor, William Thomas Sr. Now, when Billy was around three years old, his mother took him to several interviews where Billy was picked from among several kids hoping to win a part in the air game comedies. According to the Howe Road Studios, Billy had the right look. So he was assigned a contract making $45 a week. Billy first appeared as Buckwheat in 1935. Howe Roach, our game comedies, was sold to MGM in 1938. Buckwheat was the only little rascal to star in all 52 MGM short films. Buckwheat's name came from a popular breakfast cereal at the time. Now, he appeared in his last role at the age of 12 in 1943. Mm. And in 1954, William Thomas went into the Army. Mm. And after military service, he worked for 20 years for Technicolor as a film lab technician. Thomas married and had one son, Billy Jr., Thomas was one of the most beloved characters in the air. Oh boy, this is what if this is the icing on the cake right here. <clears throat> this is the icing on the cake. They showing pictures as he talk. Yes, see, yes, 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 yes. I get to see it, but you don't. And am I gonna share the the video and how you can find it? No, I am not. Gang family. He actually received a standing ovation at the second annual International Convention of the Sons of the Desert held in Los Angeles in 1980. But on the 10th of October 1980, that same year, while living alone in his L.A. apartment, William Buckwheat Thomas Jr. suffered a heart attack and died. Mm-hmm. He was 49 years old. That's all. Buckwheat is buried in the at the Inglewood Park Cemetery in Inglewood, California. Hmm. I didn't know that. 
Mr. Buckwheat. I didn't know that. Well, you're a little smarter now because of me. And you still haven't donated. So go ahead and donate. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a song here by Lou Ross that popped into my head. I hope you enjoy it. And five, four, three, two. gentlemen we have here one of cardi b's specials that's cardi b get up let's see what this is all about Mama couldn't give it to me, had to get it in suits. 
Lord only knows how I got it in shoes. I was covered in dollars, now I'm dripping in jewels. A bitch play with my money, might as well spit in my food. Bitches hating my guts, now they swear we was cool. Went from making tuna sandwiches to making the news. I started speaking my mind and tripping my views. Real bitch, only thing fake is the boobs. Get money, go hard, motherfucking right. Never been a fraud in my motherfucking life. Get money, go hard, damn fucking right. Stunned on these bitches out of motherfucking spite. Ain't no running to bore me, went for nothing to glory. I ain't telling y'all to do it, I'm just telling my story. I don't hang with these bitches, cause these bitches be corny. And I got enough bras, y'all ain't gotta support me. I went from rag to riches, went from wig to lit, nigga. Only person in my fam to see six figures. The pressure on your shoulders, feel like boulders. Where you gotta make sure that everybody's straight. Bitches stab you in your back while they smile. In your face, talking crazy on your name, trying not to catch a case. I waited my whole life just to shit on niggas. Climb to the top floor so I could spit on niggas. Said I was just trying to chill and make bangers. Tell all these old bitches they in danger. On my hip with bitches in the shape. That's what I call a fucking waist trainer. Who gon' run up on who and to what? I think y'all got the story screwed up. I came here to bar, is you nuts? I don't want your punk ass man, I'm too tough. I'm the one that's killing shit, hands down. If you got a problem with me, stand down. Cause I don't wanna hear no sneak dissing. Especially not from one you weak bitches. I'm on road like I don't see no stoplights. I'm stepping out every day, prom night. So if it's all love, show me love then. Cause you ain't on the bitches, what it sound like. Bro, it's how I give it up, nigga. Hoodie, no. It's how I'm pulling up. Cause I've been on the road, don't mean I've been on the run. Oh, so that's Cardi B. Cardi B get up 10. That's my first time hearing that. <clears throat> and the bass is boosted in it. So let's continue to listen to a little more. That's Miss Cardi B. I call her Miss B. <laughs> yes, I call her Miss B on Instagram. Yeah, she's something else. 